You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with Frank Scabelli, who is the inspiration and founder behind some of the best restaurants and ideas uh, here locally, and I'm pretty excited about it. So first, I'm going to ask you a question. If you have eaten yet, you might want to before you listen to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast, uh, or you just need to listen during lunch. Because if you have a craving for Italian food, barbecue, tacos, some light Middle Eastern fare, we've got you covered. Our uh, next guest on the Brand Builders Podcast is Frank Scabelli, the businessman who started Mama Ricotta's over 25 years ago and kept building on his success with places like Bad Daddy's, Midwood Smokehouse, Paco's Tacos, and Yafo Kitchen. Uh, I'm super excited because a lot of these places are my favorite, Mama Ricotta's being number one. And I'm really excited to, to hear more about this story. So thank you, Frank, uh, for joining us on the Brand Butters podcast. And we're ready to dive into your brand. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Frank. Great introduction, Brian, as always. So, so Frank, in 1992, you're a guy with an MBA from Wake Forest. Yes. And, and out of all the industries and all the opportunities out there in business, you move into the restaurant world. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how that happened? Why you did that? Because the failure rate. <laughs> My father was so thrilled with that idea. <laughs> well, the, you know, the failure rates are pretty high in that world. Yeah. And so I'm just curious, how did you get so, there? So sort of like bigger picture. So went to Wake, um, you know, got an MBA from Wake and then did business consulting down in Tampa, Florida, and then got an offer. Um, Raycom Sports was starting a consulting firm with... Um, a couple of other people, one of them being a professor who who had me in uh, MBA school. And so for some reason, they kind of had a falling out. I came up here to work. They have a falling out right prior to opening. And they paid me a year severance and said, you know, sort of we're shutting the company now. We're not going to do it. So I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm 27 years old. So at the time in Charlotte, you really had for Italian food, you had either more diner-ish Italian food or you had fine dining. There was really nothing in between. And I felt like that would be a good, a, a good opportunity. And I read all these career books about, you know, what should I do with my life? Like what colors your parachute and all this stuff. And there was one called Wishcraft that kind of hit me. And it said, do what you love. And, you know, sort of in an, es in an essence, and, and it's not ever going to really seem like work. So I thought like, you know, love food, love people. Let me try this. I do feel like it's a business opportunity. There's a niche that's not being hit. I've got, you know, my, my dad had a travel agency. We traveled a lot, typical Italian family. Food was a huge deal. I'm like, let me see what I can do. I was 27 at the time. Figured if it didn't do well, I'd do something else. And um, found Mama's, the original location is where Maharani is now. And it was actually that first side only. It was 39 seats. And I figured if it didn't go well, I, I, I'd, you know, get back in the, in the regular business world. And fortunately, we did well. Like it was about six weeks. Um, we got a really good review and we sort of went from there. Um, my father was so mad at me for getting an MBA, having an MBA. And he's like, what the hell are you doing doing <laughs> restaurant business? And like they were down visiting when we got the review and I'm like, dad, you guys need to leave. I need the table. And he was so happy. He's like, yeah, so I think you made the right decision. So very good. That's sort of how it started. Is he still with us today? No, no, no. He died in 02. Gotcha. So tell me about, I think that's a great story. We bring, we bring people on that talk about their brands and where they came from. And some of them have crazy ass ideas. Um, 
obviously most of them, if they're on this podcast, have worked, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we get to kind of see the journey, but it's really interesting to see that light bulb when, you know, the the some of the biggest critics that you have are the ones closest to you. Uh, and if you listen to like the NBA draft last night or, or, or you know, that was recently in, yeah, in yeah. Zion and, and getting really emotional and, and really saying that his mother would be his harshest critic, right? And it's like, you know what? I don't have to impress anybody from anything. Like my harshest critic was right there. Yep. You know, she was the one telling me that I would never be the first pick. She was the one telling me that I wouldn't do this. So it's it's fascinating to hear that. And and when your dad said, yeah, yeah, it was good. But was there like a moment when he came to you and he was like, you know what? I'm really glad you stuck this out, you know? Because obviously you, you've been very successful in this world. He, you know, I think... You know, that was one, you know, sort of kicking him out. He thought it was the funniest thing that he, and he <laughs> thought it was the best thing. But he, he, he unfortunately didn't live to see all of the, you know, like some of the success I've had since then. But, you know, getting back to your point, I think you need a real voice in your life. Like you don't need someone, you don't need fluff. You don't need somebody telling you how great you are. You need somebody telling you, yeah, you know, you're great at this, but you're not great at that. And I, and I pride ourselves on that's really part of our culture. I think we're a direct, we talk about it being a direct culture. And you're going to hear both. You know, you're going to hear how great you are, and you're going to hear, "Hey, this isn't right. Let's fix it." So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I'm, I'm sure there's been a lot more success stories on here than, than no, mine. That, by the way, it's not even like that. But I think, I think what we really like to to bring out on this podcast is just the real communication and what it really takes. And I think a lot of people now are are away from the sugarcoating lifestyle. Um, you need direct feedback, whether it's good or bad. Actually, you probably need more feedback when it's bad. And to be honest, um, so I think that's cool. And I want to dive into this a little bit more. So Mama Ricotta's was the, was the staple. It was, it was what kind of, you know, started this. When did you know, Hey, I'm good at this. Now I want to venture into other foods well, because um, you're <clears throat> all your restaurants. If you didn't know it was FS group and it was Frank Scabella, you would never imagine that it was owned by the same people. Well, I, I appreciate that. In a good way. So, Not so, saying that in a negative way, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so after Mama's, I did. I bought a restaurant called Sea Italian that was in South Charlotte, and that was my failure. They cooked their books. They told me they were doing like, um, you know, 1.2 million in sales. And first year we had it, we did 600. Ooh. So it was like hmm. not even remotely the sort of business. And, and so fortunately, was able to get out of that deal. But I learned a lot. I really learned how to manage my business. So it was like... The failure is what really taught me how to succeed. Um, the restaurant business is a penny business. People don't realize that. Like you just, the margins are very tight. You have to watch your margins. And that really taught me that. But then we did, we ended up doing, you know, Cantina, open Cantina, sold Cantina to Quantum Restaurants in South Africa. Um, you know, you guys know this from on the way to Mom Mercatus to the original Cantina. I'd drive by that location on the left and I'd be like, I think I could do something with that place. And they did the first Bad Daddies. And yeah. so grew that to 13 stores and was able to sell that. And um, when we were doing a lot of research for the Mexican, we used to get exposed to the barbecue. And so we'd go down to Texas and look at it and, and really love Tex-Mex. And that's how we ended up doing the, the barbecue and doing Pacos. So it was really just a, kind of a logical extension. Were you, when you started Mama Ricotta's, were you, were you there? Were you cooking were you on the kitchen oh my, line or yeah, were, were you managing kitchen. were you Absolutely. hiring and firing everything i'm really curious because i'm struggling with this like how do you get from in the weeds to to upper like and I, you know, what am i trying to ask so just try to get above the bigger picture have the business working for you not you so much in the daggone weeds reacting to everything how did you get to that point 
Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, is people and developing a team, you know, so we have, I have an amazing team, you know, like it's a core, like I'm not, you know, like our restaurants, like I'm not there cooking your dinner, you know, it's guys who we have working for, like Shai Farjan, who's a partner, he's a, you know, he's the corporate chef of Yafo. He's great. But we, but it's really been the development of a team over the years that allowed me to do that because really... I'm a big culture guy. And I think if you can get the culture part right, a lot of other things take care of themselves. And so, and that, that's a big statement because you've got to get rid of people who are bad apples and say, hey, you know, you just don't fit our culture and you're really bringing people down. And then you're building people up and people get, you know, develop you didn't necessarily think we're going to develop. And along the way, a lot of our team is their partners in our deals. And so we're all in it together. And so... I think we're all rowing the rowing the oars in the same direction, and I think that's what, that's why we're successful, and that's allowed me to not have to be there day in day out. And I think they know I've got a palate, and they sort of trust they trust my decisions, and I trust theirs. And we talk about it like I, you know, you're going to make wrong decisions. I just want logic. I don't want a half-assed decision. I want logic. If you tell me you you know you're logical about what you're doing, I'll never get mad at you. If you just do a careless mistake, that's a problem. Right. So how many people, um, how many people are on your kind of in the FS group? Obviously you have multiple different employees that work at each uh, establishment, but what's the kind of the core of your group? Um, you know, it's, it's probably about 12 of us ish that are, but they're not, you know, I've got director of ops, uh, Craig Franny. He oversees the Midwoods. Pam house oversees basically everything else. Um, but we've got different people long, you know, um, my CFO, Eric Fenner, he's my, he and his wife, um, she's our, my longest tenured employee. It's like 24 years. Wow. And so they're partners in everything. He started as a server. He was getting a degree in accounting and MIS at UNCC and he, you know, started doing the books and, you know, now we've sold two companies and like have amazing financials. And he's a guy we, you know, he, de- he's incredibly smart and incredibly detail oriented, but we, you know, he, he developed along the way with us. So we've got, you know, a, a number of people there that are just part of the team and everybody, you know, drinks the Kool-Aid, really. I love that. I mean, that's a hell of a story starting out as a server in college. And now you get to grow 24 years later as a partner in the organization and really be kind of that, um, that piece. And well, I think Pam, Pam House was a server for us oh. six years ago, and she is now a partner and director of ops over, you know, all, all the basically not all the not Midwoods. Wow. That's so, I mean, this is completely different, but it, it, that just off the cuff reminds me of like Chick-fil-A, you know, of how many stories you hear from people that come and they start out at Chick-fil-A as a server and then, you know, they get the opportunity to go to college and then they become an owner and all those different things. So that's really fascinating that you actually give people the opportunity. If you come in here, you can be whatever you want to be. And that's, you've, fa- that's you've really got cool. It, but it, but yeah. it's not easy. I mean, right. it's oh, like you've got to knock it out. I mean, you've got to be good. And she's like, like she, in her example... She's someone who's really hardworking. She's mentally tough. She's really smart. She learns really, picks things up really quickly. Like you give her something new, she handles it really quickly. So I really, you know, she's earned it. You know, I didn't just give it to her. She's earned it. I love that. So let's jump into um, a couple of different, you know, I guess things that you guys have created. So Midwood Smokehouse, it's kind of fascinating when you look at a restaurant that gets a lot of like celebrity sightings, um, 
gets a lot of of interest through social media and it becomes kind of a popular destination. Tell us what it's like to to have a you know celebrity tag your restaurant or say how awesome it is and like what has that done for your business um, throughout? I mean, it's kind of interesting. The huge one was was when Obama came. Right. I mean, it was insane. It was in like we've always been busy at Central Avenue. Like that's always. However, it was like up a notch on a wait at five o'clock. Like wow. it was crazy. And people are like, I want to have what Obama ate. So it was, that was really interesting how much he really drove it. Uh, the other people, the only, the only one that approaches it was Justin Timberlake. Yeah. And, um, just Justin Timberlake, you know, JJ. <laughs> well, but like, you know, I, I really regret, you know, I'm an Almond Brothers fan. Greg Almond ate there. I, I found out after the fact. Look, oh, yes. And I'm like, God, I can't believe we didn't, I'd like, love to get a picture with Greg Almond. <laughs> right. Yeah, That's sick. And, you know, Bob Dylan got a takeout order. And it was like all this, like, kind of some cool, some cool stuff. But, you know, we're, I, we don't know how it happens, too. It's someone in the music business is, is recommending it. So, but we get Jack White was there. Like, it was, it's really pretty wild. <laughs> I mean that. Well. <laughs> oh yeah, Justin Timberlake just swung through and you know just picked up some food. So I don't know That's if you crazy. guys. That's crazy. You know, have you ever seen the show Somebody Feed Phil? It's a great. He was the writer. For, it's a great show. He's got thirty million followers on Netflix. Oh wow. He was the writer for Ray Romano. He's a comedian. He's great. So he came to Charlotte a couple weeks ago and we ate dinner with him. And he's texting. He has the same trainer as Justin Timberlake, and they're texting back and forth. And and Justin Timberlake, yeah, you need to get the brisket with the midwood sauce how about that i'm wow. like i was really it was such a compliment that even remembered like he goes everywhere i mean for even him to even remember though yeah yeah it was a barbecue place so it was pretty good i wouldn't remember that i was like that's really cool wow he's Very a lot cool. smarter than i am apparently yeah. <laughs> I, he's a hell of a brand i he mean is that's, a hell of a brand. that is um that's awesome. I don't even know what to say after that uh, can't well, follow up no, i'm curious it, it seems like there's like you said, there's a lot of moving parts in the restaurant business and you have a lot of different concepts. What are your biggest challenges today? Well, I think, you know, I mean, like every industry right now, I think hiring and developing people is really challenging because people have changed. You know, the restaurant business is not a glamorous business. You're working when your friends are off. So it's not like people want to get in the restaurant business as a career. So the that I think is really the big challenge, and it's a challenge to our industry. Um, it's hard work, you know. It's harder work than a lot of people want necessarily want to do. The dishwasher doesn't show up, and you might have to wash dishes. That's a problem. But so that's really a big one. Um, I think finding sites right now is a challenge because everything, you know, Charlotte's a hot market, and so the, the you know rates have gotten pretty high, and so. That's a little bit of a challenge, but really right now it's just doing a good job blocking and tackling. That's really every day. That's the challenge. Make sure you do a good job every day. Are you seeing a shift in, in your client base, right? Like do people still like to go out and enjoy and, and hang out and bring their families out or are they shifting more towards fast casual, which might be your Yafo concept or an initiative to sort of go I, that I direction they, a little I think bit? They do both. I mean, Mid Midwoods right now, like Midwoods the last year, have really grown, all five of them. All five of them have grown. It's, But I think part of it is we've got really good teams in place now. It took a while, but now we have really pretty good teams in place, and they're sort of flourishing. Um, but I don't think they're necessarily eating any differently. I think what happens is people shift, you know, 
if you get a little bit of a recession, maybe your mama's is the fine dining and maybe they're going someplace else for casual. Right. And I think if it's economy's a little better, maybe that's the casual place and you're going fine dining somewhere else, et cetera. So I think that's part of what it is. But I haven't noticed a difference. Are your restaurants beyond Charlotte? We have point? Columbia, uh, Midwood and Columbia. Uh, and we're, really, I'd like to get back up in Raleigh. I had Bad Daddies in Raleigh and we did really well in Raleigh. Um, and I'd, I'd like to grow it a little bit. What about, um, do you ever, since you've done so many different concepts, A, how, like your imagination must be fantastic because you kind of look at something and say, oh, I'm going to create this. Like, where do you get all your inspiration? I read a, um, a, I think it was a blog or an article um, where you you had talked about the the burnt ends of a brisket and you never thought how popular that would be on the menu, but you just did it because you traveled and you ate them and you're like, damn, we could do this. So does your inspiration come from traveling to other cities tasting other foods and like how the hell does that happen like how do you go from saying hey this could be really good and then taking it from concept to uh to implementation well most of the stuff happens is really as simple as it's food that we like we as our team and a lot of times it'll be me saying okay this is something i really want to do and then we start looking at it we've had plenty of stuff we you know looked at and didn't do we just felt like we couldn't do it successfully or we weren't ready to do it yet but um like in the case of the burn ends you know, I'm very um, big about like, who is the, if, okay, if I'm going to do burn ends, who, where is the best place to get burn ends? And it's a Kansas City dish, right? So we went to Kansas City and spent the day and went to like literally eight barbecue places in a day looking at burn ends, which was interesting because all eight were entirely different. The stylistically, they were entirely different. And so after looking at that, I went with my pit master, Matt Barrett, Matt Barrett who's homegrown guy who's he's on the inner circle um go. but matt and i went for the day and we went and, and you know came up with a couple of different versions and in mod and, and that's what's on the plate now it is my least favorite dish on the menu by the way is, i would i want to know it's my least favorite people love it and it's one of our best-selling dishes by far what's your favorite yeah. well so part of what when you go to texas and you and you get exposed to and even not just texas but any of the really kind of barbecue meccas right most of it's not really saucy like the best places aren't really saucy. You're really tasting the meat. And so burn ends by nature, you're putting sauce on it. So it's just not my style of what, what I like right. to eat. But it's um, I love our brisket and I really love our ribs. I think our ribs are way underrated. We basically cook them for the day. They sell out like every day. People get mad at us every day, but we <laughs> sell out every – because you want to sell out every day. Yeah. What about um, any of the other restaurants? I mean if you had to pick besides the brisket and ribs, what's your favorite dish that you guys – Panela Vodka. Oh, not even not even close yeah interesting i'm gonna have to try that oh it's like that's and and really like because you'll go in streaks i mean it's been a long time so you'll go in streaks of what you're what you like and what you don't like it in your own restaurants right never got sick of panela vodka ever I, i'm <laughs> curious man every day no problem i could eat it i, I could it. eat it every day i love that i could eat that's, it every day that's awesome i'm just curious oh you're in shape you look great, man. You own yes. restaurants. You can indulge any time you want. How in the world do you manage that? It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll literally have on my schedule, I'll have a cake tasting. You oh, know, yeah. like the, yeah. we'll put a cake tasting on my schedule. Yeah. And so, or a brisket tasting or whatever. And so it's, it's, it's hard to do. You know, I've always been an exercise guy in the morning. We get up and I get up and work out. We bought a Peloton. My wife and I fight about who uses it first. Nice. <laughs> Those things are great, by the way. Yeah. I actually changed into being a morning workout person in February. I lost 15 pounds. It's changed my life. I always said, that's oh, I'm, awesome. not, I'm not going to be a morning person, but I have, a, have, 15, I have a 15 month old. That's what, that's what I changed. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. 
There we go. That's how we do it. So, um, and jumping into some new ideas, there's been some uh, some some news articles out there that says we might be getting a Mama Ricotta spinoff or kind of its own thing in South Park. And since Mama Ricotta's is my favorite restaurant in Charlotte, I would love Thank to you. know about Thank this. You. And I live in Charlotte or South Charlotte. So it's like the best of both worlds so, coming together. So Little Mama's is going to be, you know, roughly say half the menu of half of what some of the, you know, best sellers are at Mama's, but people really love their sort of, I think they've been sort of iconic dishes. The other half, it's, I really started, you know, I just started thinking about um, restaurants I grew up with in New England. I'm from Springfield, Mass originally. So, and you'd have, and, and some of the people who work for me, like are from New Jersey or New York, and there'd be the neighborhood Italian restaurant that was a little bit nicer. And you had the, and so we're not doing pizza there. We're not going to do the rolls there. We're doing a, we make homemade mozzarella. My chef, Tom Dernis, who's like been with me forever. He's a partner too. Tom is a mozzarella nerd. I mean, he makes stracciatella, which is a filling for burrata. He makes burrata. He makes fresh mozz oh every day. Mm. And so it's going to be that with different types of prosciutto, different types of salami, you know, grilled veggies, roasted peppers, olive salad, just like probably 50 items that rotate. To, to showcase the mozzarella. So it's going to have that component. And then it'll be some broiled food. Like you used to go to an Italian restaurant in, in New York and you'd have like broiled fish with lemon and garlic and that just simple, really, really good ingredients. So we're going back to that a little bit and it sort of fits with how people are eating now. So when it goes in, I want it to, when you go into it, I want you to feel a little retro, which is what I grew up with, you know, sort of. So the retro feel from a design standpoint and then having food that's, somewhat old school. We're doing a ravioli machine. We're getting it from Italy and we're getting a, an extruder to do a little bit more fresh pasta. Mm. But it'll be, it's, it's a cool menu. That's mm. cannot wait, man. And there's a question. So, you know, in Charlotte, um, one of my good friends is Craig Barber. He owns Roots Cafe and he does a good job in catering. And I always love um, his food. And it still fascinates me that the mind and the creativity that a chef can, can have. Um, but one of the things we asked him, and this was probably two years ago when we had him on our podcast, was where do you see Charlotte growing from having people like yourself that have, you know, kind of the the creativity and the mindset to create something that's new, that's not necessarily, you know, a franchise. Uh, and he said a lot of people were, you know, they maybe get to gr- their degree here and then they go elsewhere. They're going to try to get to New York, to Boston, to Chicago. Um, do you see that that's starting to change that maybe people are now getting more excited to staying in Charlotte and like, where can the food industry and specifically my favorite, like privately owned restaurants that, that someone like yourself create, and it's not this chain that's going all over the place. It's something that's just like local and and exciting. Like, do you see that changing in Charlotte and where do you see from like kind of just an overall landscape of what the food industry is here and where can it grow? That's a broad question. I know. <clears throat> so I think I think you're going to have two buckets, right? So I think you're going to have buckets of things that aren't changed now that got acquired and that are growing, right? So there's a lot of you know artisan pizza that got bought by private equity that's going to grow, and it's going to be in Charlotte. Like it's going to it's happened a little bit. Desano's being one. You know, I don't know that they're owned by private equity, but somebody like a Desano. So you're going to see a little bit more of that. And it'll be other types of food as well because the private equity market's gotten very hot for restaurants because they, they call it the Amazon effect. So that 
they're people, you know, it's killing retail brands, but people are still going to eat in restaurants. So private equity is investing in restaurants versus investing in retail. Okay. So there's a lot of, so they're putting their money there. They want to grow the restaurant. So you'll see a bucket of all these other brands that got a bunch of money that are tasked with growing and they'll be coming into Charlotte is because it's a hot market. What are we, 16th, I think, in the country now? Yeah, so so that'll be one. I think that'll be one bucket. I think the other bucket will be guys like um, Kindred and Clark Barlow who are doing a great job. And they are going to continue to do some other things that are interesting. And I think we'll continue to have the boutique restaurants. And we'll end up getting a Beard Award. I think that's just a matter of time. Who gets it, et cetera. You know, I have thoughts, I think, and, you know, if there's a couple of people here in town, I think we, we could win it now when it gets right down to it. So I think that'll happen and that'll start putting us on the map. Can you go into what that exact award is? Because I'm not familiar. The James Beard Award? Yeah. So the James Beard Award is essentially the Oscars in the food business. Awesome. And that's the biggest award you can get. And they just had, a, they just had some sort of um, symposium here. So I think eventually we'll probably get more national recognition. We'll get some that more national press on it. I think yesterday we were in, there was Condé Nast Traveler did an article on Charlotte food, which is, we're getting a little bit more of that. So I think people are getting aware of it. So I think more of the boutique stuff that'll happen. Um, I agree with you. You know, people will probably stick around more, but I think, you know, young kids who go to Johnson & Wales still want to go, you know, we have someone who work for us. They want to go cook in Paris or they want to go cook in New York or they want to go cook. I mean, I can't blame them. The issue is I think they'll come back. So, Which could only elevate that. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a lot of private equity and, and um, familiar with, with that and those transitions. And I mean, a, a company that I used to love in Atlanta, Taco Mac, came through here. It was an absolute disaster in Charlotte. Um, I can t- tell you firsthand, the one that I grew up going to had amazing food, had amazing service, had amazing beer. It was It was everything. We ate there once a week. I was so excited for it to be here. Uh, I was one of the first ones to have my name on the wall because I drank way too many beers there. But anyways, <laughs> the reality of that was I was very disappointed. And and it, it really kind of hurt that the brand that I grew up with that showed up to Charlotte didn't succeed. And ultimately, the Takamak owners bought that back or the original owners. Have you had any um, of the businesses and the things that you've created that you've sold off that you've either A, bought back or B, just couldn't believe some of the changes that they made or maybe went in there and ate and you said like, damn, I wouldn't have done it like that. I'm just kind of curious because that's got to be something that if you create and then you sell, it's like, it's still yours. I'm really you know? not. Yes and no. Okay. I'm really not like, the the way I look at it is if I give it to you and tee it up, it's your deal now. Yeah. Right. Good so for like, you. If, it, if it's running really well, yeah. you know, Bad Daddy's when I owned it was top 25 burger in America in multiple, it was in USA Today, it was in Zagat's, you know, we were in the Burger Bash. Like I went as far as we're going to go with burgers in Charlotte at that time. We sold it. I handed it off to them. Um, I would rather not get into answering that question. That's honestly, okay. No, because that's it's fine. a. I think it's. I think it's unfair a little bit to the people who bought it. They just have a different perspective. Some some folks have a different perspective on how they want to run things, you know. And they wrote me a check. They're entitled to do whatever they want to do with it, right? So, great. Yeah. Hey, that's a great answer. I mean, I think ultimately, um, if you can think like that, that's fantastic. And also, if people are paying you for your ideas, hey, man. Right. <laughs> Good luck. Right. I, get, compliment I teed it up. I'm going to walk away from yeah. the box now. Well, and I was happy. I, I actually, you know, I haven't really, like, I've never gone back to Cantina. And those were, they're great guys. The guys who bought it were really, the, the main guy who bought it was a, uh, a guy, Ben Filtmatter. He actually passed away. He was really sharp. I actually think had he lived, 
they probably would have grown Cantina a lot. He's wow. a really, he's a very sharp guy. Well, how do you feel about the space on East Boulevard that's been sitting empty and has sort of struggled since Cantina left, right across from Kid Cashew? I mean, is there that's a tough landlord? Sort of, that's a really tough landlord. Is that what I mean, it that's is? what okay. that's what we we would never do a deal there ever. Right. With your money, I wouldn't okay. do a deal there. So there's the issue. No. All right. <laughs> you know. so, so the answer is no? The, yeah. <laughs> and, and hence that, the reason is still sitting there. Yeah. So well, that's from our perspective. We were there. We actually tried to buy the building um, with Cantina, you know, and, and, and so he didn't, they didn't really want to renew the lease at the time. And so that's why I looked at, you know, we started looking at when we sold it to Quantum. Mm-hmm. So are you... Obviously, I think I know the answer to this question, but are you bullish on Charlotte? Oh, I love Charlotte. I'm so blessed every day that I'm in Charlotte, and I have friends in any other business, and it's like, it's it's awesome here. Love I agree. I've been here nine years. I love it. It's 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 made me who I am. I, I love that. So here's a question. I always like asking um, people that own restaurants, if you're not eating at one of your establishments in Charlotte, what's your favorite places to eat here? Um and can you go into some detail on that? Sure. Um, you know, I think I'm like anybody else. I think there's a certain, there's statistics that say like, um, you know, 90% of your meals are seven or eight restaurants mm-hmm. in a three mile radius from right. where you live. So I'm really not, generally yeah. I'm not that unique in it. <laughs> we like, um, for certain things, we like Del Frisco a lot. Del Frisco, they really, the food's very, very good, but the hospitality piece is off the charts. Um, the Palm is the same way. I love my sister's restaurant. She owns Fran's Filling Station. Okay. Oh, right? yeah. So Fran, she does a great job. She's really talented with food. I think she's awesome. Um, we're going to Finn and Fino. It's my anniversary today. We're going to Finn, oh. Finn and Fino tonight, which I haven't been in. I think John Dressler does a pretty good job. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, Thank you. Absolutely. I'm trying to think who else. Some of it's kids driven. You know, we went to Char Bar last night because my middle son's waiting tables there. I wasn't going to reveal the secret, but uh, Kara Hager is my fiance. Oh, nice. So Tommy Hager is uh, was future it, was father-in-law. It, was it his, it was his birthday? Um, y- yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so my, well, son, actually my, last son, weekend, my son waited on the, the party. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, then I was there. Yeah. I, uh, your son, and now that I, you say that, he's taller, slender yeah, fella. Yeah, he's a big kid, yeah. I had no idea that's who that was. Man, yeah. he kept my water. I was chugging water. <laughs> and I tell you, he was there every single time. That's I have cool. like that's a quarter of the glass. I'm, I'm telling we, you, we yeah. were, I did small not, world. I did not want them to work for us. And Tommy was gracious enough to say, you know, like as I called them up and said, hey, do you mind giving my son a job and treat him like anybody else? And he, he's liked it there. He's come home from college and, he, you know, he's working for a few weeks and then he'll go back to school. But it's so been awesome. good. Well, get him some exposure too outside yeah. of your company and your business. Well, we didn't want him. Thing. We didn't. We wanted him to be treated like everybody else, and that's. So I thought. I thought it made sense, and it's been a good, a good experience. Waiting tables. It's chill. Oh, man. Oh, everybody I've should it. do it. Everybody should it. do it. Yeah, it gives you a, <laughs> yeah, a newfound. Uh, I mean, good lord. Yeah, just the public dealing with them. I agree. <laughs> it's I, a challenge sometimes. Somebody hired me to be a, a chef slash cook. I wouldn't even call myself a chef, but a cook in college at this at this bar that tried to do food that was way over the top for college kids. I was like, let's just stick to chicken tenders, buffalo sandwiches and wings and we'll be good. Um, but it, it, it lets you understand what it takes. And I think that's a neat thing in business. If you've never waited tables, if you've never worked in a restaurant, you know, that's a tough job. And I can't stand when I hear stories of people that go in and disrespect servers or it's like, listen, you have people serving you food while you sit there and enjoy it. Take care of them. Like think more than just, 
what's happening right there. There, in there are still people. There are still people who like snap their fingers. At yeah, it's like, crazy. Like that's <laughs> crazy. crazy. Come on. I, I mean, <laughs> is there like so? I, all right, let's bring this up quickly. Um, do you have like a a rule book of like? All right, this is what you do when an asshole is sitting at your table. And like, how do you educate the people that are serving? Because they're your brand and they're the ones having that interaction. You know, and that, that, that's important that's to create great, the experience. Honestly, that's a great question because it's, I don't, honestly, I don't get asked that very much. And we do have, we, you know what? We're in the hospitality business. This is the discussion. I've had this with servers from when I was on the floor managing them. And it was, you know, we're in the hospitality business. I don't like it either. Let's get them in, get them out, get their check in, get their food in, get them out, be as professional as we can be and do our job and don't give them a reason to complain. And that's really, to me, is the best thing is just do a great job on it. And then there's really no issue about complaining. Some people, you, there are, you know, there's, there are folks like that who are, it's going to be a challenge to make them happy. That does happen. Yeah. I had my aunt, we uh, went to Mama Ricotta's and she probably had too many uh, glasses of wine anyways. And she kept trying to return her wine because she would take a sip of it. Her lipstick would be on the damn wine glass. She put it down and go, my wine glass is dirty. And I'm like, all right, this is my favorite restaurant. I'm about to flip the table right now. And it was, we were all looking at her like, you drank that glass of wine. The server was amazing. No problem. Literally took it back twice, and I finally was like, "You don't have to do that. This is ridiculous." So, anyways, amazing uh, job on that. Have you <laughs> I don't met, know why I just told have, that story, but it was. Have, it was you met, have you met Vinny, the GM of Mamas? Um, so he's a I, to, he's a Tony Soprano ringer. Yes, he's <laughs> awesome. Yes, I and have. He is. It is funny. He looks just like Tony Soprano. Which fits it perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, um, you know, Frank, before we kind of wrap this up, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Follow your restaurants or social media. Give us a plug on that. Um, well, all the restaurants, I mean, you know, jaffarestaurant.com. I mean, all the restaurants have websites. That's one. And then Remy Thurston does an incredible job on Instagram, you know, Instagram and Facebook. We have Facebook pages for everything. Um, we're easy to get. And we respond to when somebody emails in, we respond to people. Love it. So have we missed talking about any of your brands or did we cover them all? Only one. It's the catering company. We do have a uh, perfect yep, catering. Yeah. So you have that as well. So, you know, y'all, if you're listening to this and you're interested um, in, in hearing more about Frank's um, story, we will put up all of the different links for all of his different restaurants. All of them are amazing. I've been to, to all of them and I do love all of them in order. Mama Ricardo's is number one, then Midwood Smokehouse, then Paco's Tacos, then Yafo in that order. Exactly. But they're all amazing. So awesome. I thank, uh, you. thank you so much, Frank, for, for sharing your story. If you're listening to this, uh, we would be grateful if you could share um, this and give us a like, uh, as well as definitely visit all of the different establishments. And if you haven't been to one, you definitely need to go. They all have their own flair. They all have their own kind of unique twist. And it's just, it's, it's a good place to go eat and I'm starving. So I kind of want to do that anyways. Uh, but thank you again, Frank, for being on the brand builders well, podcast. Me. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate it. That was awesome. You've been listening to the brand builders podcast brought to you by the Dunstan group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.